Kalimera, Terry. I just think you said hello to me. I did. And do you know what language I said that in? I think you said it in my favorite. <laughs> I'm so excited. We're going to Greece today. Let's go to Athens and hang out. Yes. Welcome to another episode of Bob Shane Yaya Travel the World. It's a place where we like to spend some time talking about all things travel and how travel could be part of your lifestyle, whether you're hanging out at home or you've got boarding passes in your hands. My name is Alex and I play the Bob role in all of this. As always, I'm here with my bestie, Terry. That's right. Here I am and I play Yaya. And today we are going to be chatting about Athens. We're going to take you on a no-nonsense tour of one of our favorite towns and give you our insider tips to this amazing ancient capital. No matter when you plan to hit the road, we've got some helpful tips and great stories to share with you. As always, we're ready to share some of the things that keep us travel happy. We're going to talk books, food, travel tips, and products that we love. And it'll all start with a little segment we like to call Now Boarding. Yes, us. we're heading to Athens and I'm so excited. I can't wait. Let's get right into our picks on some of the best ways to enjoy Athens, whether you're at home or you get to put your two feet in that incredible ancient capital. My global book pick this time around is actually not even a book. There is an incredible store in the middle of the placa, and it is kind of like a hide-and-go-seek game to find it, but this corner store has the most amazing globes and travel books in it. It's got a main floor, a basement, and then kind of like one of those balcony lofts in it. And it is stacked full of the most amazing travel stuff that you can imagine. I love this store. It is probably one of the first places I go. As a matter of fact, surprise, surprise, I got you a Christmas ornament from that store at one point in time. Which one? The globe one. Oh, I love it. It's on the tree. It's on the tree. Exactly. What about you? What's your global book pick this time around? You know, sometimes I, I like to take it back to, you know, being a teacher, what I like to share with the kids, and mm-hmm. really do love the Percy Jackson series, The Lightning Thief, because of the Greek mythology. Yes. Yeah, I think it just gets you ready. Well, not only that, but I think it helps kids connect to this ancient, crazy soap opera that maybe has zero understanding and gives it kind of like a frame to sit in that kind of is relatable. Right. So I think it's a great place to start to kind of get that mythology story out there and buyer beware on those mythology stories. There is a lot going on in that daytime soap opera. There are people sleeping with other people and cheating and there is a lot going on. So be careful with the kiddos and what you share and what you don't share. There are some that you may wind up going down a rabbit hole. You did not want to go down. So I agree. Yeah, be careful with the mythology. My travel tip is super logistical. A lot of people hit Europe up and want to see more than one country at a time. And one of the most famous ways to kind of get around is with the Eurail Pass. And while it's not as prevalent as it used to be, one of the new expansions that Eurail has put into place is that their um, train hopper tickets, their their longer visitor pass tickets, work on a ton of the Greek ferries. So even though you're not on rails and you're on a ferry, your your rail pass may cover that journey. So definitely something to look into when you're kind of working out your dollars and cents. If you're going to hit those Greek islands up, even from Athens, you want to make sure 
that you think about those URL passes as well. And, you know, that's good to know because I do have a credit. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, COVID-19. Oh, well, there you go. I know. So my travel tip is to use the middle of the day heat to your advantage. I don't like to be hot. Okay. I'm a plus size gal. When it's hot, you know what I want to do? Take my time. Go back to my uh, place where I'm staying. Check my computer. Answer emails. Maybe even take a nap. Or if you don't, go get go visit somewhere inside where you can cool down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the summer in Greece is it's unbearable during the day. And we certainly understand you don't want to go like hopping around the different shops in the local Plaka neighborhood or take a journey somewhere. You're going to be miserable. So, you know, use the morning before the cruise lines get there and use the evening after they have left and you'll be far more comfortable for sure. Let's talk about travel binges. Please. Can I go first? Yes. My favorite of all time. And I know everyone's going to say this, but it's my big fat Greek wedding. Now I've seen both of them Mm -hmm. and I liked both of them, Mm -hmm. but my, the first one is my favorite. Oh, I love Gus. Please. Oh, please more Windex. I will tell you that is the quintessential Greek American movie. It is so funny. And I don't know if you know this, but it's produced by um, Rita Wilson and Tom Hanks. Yeah. um, Because she is of Greek descent and they spend a lot of time in Greece. Uh, I think it's great. While many of those things are Greek American things. Right, right. All the little idiosyncrasies that um, Nia Vardalis put in that movie. I will say... It, it is hilarious. And my stepfather is of Greek descent and laughed and cried during that movie because he said it was so authentic to the Greek American experience. He said the only thing that he was not familiar with was when they were doing the um, spitting the tusu, tusu. Yeah, yeah. He said he never saw that before, but that could be a regional thing from another area in Greece that his family wasn't from, he said. So, but that was the only thing he said to me. I I think it's a classic and I think it is probably one of the best motivators followed closely by the Mamma Mia um, movies, which are just so much fun. Greek Island fun. I, I think what they did with that was really funny as now, well. Now, why so. I picked this is because I had a good friend growing up. Mm-hmm. And she's Greek. She's really Greek. And it so reminded me of, like, family things I went to with her. So mm-hmm. it was nice. It was nice. Yeah. What about you? Well, recently, in I want to say the past two or three years, a very famous chef, a Greek-American chef, named Diane Kachilis, um, has a new show on PBS called My Greek Table. And she does an incredible job of making Greek recipes accessible. Because let me tell you something about Greek cooking, and I know a lot about it because I do it. Greek man make Greek recipe to keep Greek man in Greek kitchen for Greek long time. And Diane Kachilis has done a better job of kind of making it a bit more accessible because there are a ton of steps in some of those very famous dishes that everybody sees. So, yes. Um, So it's a great show. I like it a lot. She does a good job. And she definitely gets to tour around. So, yeah, a lot of fun. That leads us into our travel food. Mm -hmm. And my tip for travel food here is make sure you're eating what's in season. Because then I think you're going to get the best experience. If tomatoes are in season, eat the tomatoes. Mm -hmm. And have you a fixed beer with it. Exactly. The best beer in Greece is called Fixed Beer with two X's. Yes. And you are on the Mediterranean. 
yes, you are on the Mediterranean. If you don't eat in season, that's on you. You heard it here from us. It is a shame if you eat something out of season because it won't be good. It just won't be what you have the ability to have. Now, I will say this. There is a new place popping up in the United States that will let you try some Mediterranean food. It's not strictly Greek. It's definitely kind of more Greco-Turkish, I would say. And it's called Meze, M-E-Z-E-H. We have one by us. And I have to say... It's excellent. They do a really good job of kind of infusing all of those great Mediterranean flavors into either pitas or kind of into one of those great um, rice bowls that a lot of places are picking up on. So, well, let me ask you this: Do they have hummus? They do, because and that you know means, what that means. You know what I think? I when I say hummus. You know what I hear in my head? Your mom's saying, that's not Greek. It's not. Nope. Yeah. Hummus is definitely Turkish. Tzatziki, which is the cucumber Greek yogurt mixture, that's Greek. <laughs> yeah. They will tell you the difference. I would not order hummus in Athens. I would order it in Istanbul. Like, But again, I grew up around it, so I think maybe I have a different take on it, but I... I definitely don't consider hummus a Greek food. I don't know. Yeah. Do people do people consider it a Greek food? You know, a lot of times uh, I went down to Tarpon Springs, which is a huge, mm -hmm. you know, Greek community, and it's it's kind of cheesy now. But there are some restaurants, and of course, we had some Greek food, and on the menu is hummus. But to me, that's it's not Greek. It's not Greek. No. <laughs> yeah. Why, I agree with you. Why you lie to me? Why you lie to me like that? I agree with you. We're going to quote my Big Fat Greek Wedding this entire podcast episode. So everybody's just going to have to put up with us doing that. Suck it up. <laughs> yep. All right. Let's talk about travel tech. Um, my app that I want to suggest this time around is called Clio Muse, C-L-I-O, and we'll put everything that we recommend into our show notes at the bottom of this episode. Clio Muse is an incredible museum app that lets you know where everything is in Athens because there is a lot to see, and we'll talk about that later. Clio Muse can help kind of direct you to the things that you definitely want to go to. So a very cool app for Athens, for sure. What about you? Okay, mine's called Taxi Beat. Kind of makes me think of Tiger Beat, but, you know, that ages me a little bit. Taxi Beat is Taxi Uber for Athens. Who doesn't use Uber? I mean, come on. I think it's a great way to get around. Yeah, and Athens is a taxi city, but if you don't know where the taxi stands are there, they're not going to pick you up unless you use this app. So this is a great way to kind of avoid having to find the taxi stand in the area that you're in and maybe kind of getting lost in this town. It'll bring the taxi right to you. So a little modernization from people who don't necessarily think change is a great thing. So definitely worth it. Yamas, we're in Athens, Terry. I'm so excited. I can't wait. You know, I'm so sad I was supposed to go this summer. It still is a very sensitive subject to me. But you know what? I love to talk about it. So we're going to dig deep and we're going to plan out a new trip to Greece. That sounds like a great idea. I am totally ready. Totally down for that. Okay. Bring it on. You're my travel coach. Here we go. What? Tell us the connection between Greece and America. I always like to see how things tie together. Exactly. And you know, there are 2.5 million Americans in America who claim Greek descent. So not a huge population, but definitely not a small one either. And I think that we can all kind of connect. You know, we talk about the Greek American experience. One of the most poignant was when um, the 
Church, St. Nicholas, Greek Orthodox Church, close to the World Trade Center, was burnt, and they've been rebuilding it. It's kind of been a struggle. And I think people know the St. Nicholas story, especially if you're from the Northeast, and they are just now getting kind of back on their feet. So we're kind of hoping and praying for all the people at St. Nicholas. Uh, A fun fact, the man who married my mother and my stepfather, the Greek Orthodox priest, Father John, his son is at St. Nicholas. So I am, I have like a little six degrees of separation connection to that. So amazing. And P.S., on a completely different note, the church that my parents were married in, my my mother and my stepfather, that Greek Orthodox church, was used in the Sopranos. Why? I like to think of myself as an honorary Greek. You should because you come to our house. I think of myself as a step Greek. Because, you know, it's my lucky day. It is your lucky day to have anything to do with the Greeks. Yes. <laughs> And you know, we're always a week off on the Greek festival down with your mom. Always. Always. We miss it at the local church. I was there one year and it was so great to see all the yayas, which P.S. That's where part of the name of our show comes from. Yaya means grandma in Greek. And that's one of the reasons we use it. While we're not grandmas, our dogs call us Bapshi and Yaya, which is why we say that. (laughs) Oh, yes. <laughs> so I'm super excited and I want to stay forever, but I can't. So how long do you need to stay in Athens, in Greece to get a true feel for it? Normally, my answer to this question is two weeks. It is completely different in Athens because I want to make sure that everybody understands their first impression of Athens. First of all, thank you, Athens, the the Greek government. They finally put a new immigration hall at the airport, and it is so much better. You used to have to walk this long hallway for ages to get to customs, and now it's very quick. It's close to the plane, and it's a beautiful hall. Thank you for that. However, I want everybody to understand this. Athens is not a picture-perfect city to look at. You have to imagine Athens has been through a ton, and there are a lot of post-war buildings there. It was kind of a shrinking violet for many, many years when it was under the rule of so many other people, including the Ottoman Empire. Athens was not a big town. It is now where half the population of the country lives, and it has got an urban sprawl problem. So it's not the prettiest, most picturesque town to drive through. There are... Go ahead and get that set in your mind, right? Yes, get it set in your mind. Like, have that expectation that it's not going to be, you know, like... Mamma Mia? Yeah, it's not going to be Mamma Mia. That's the Greek islands. This is Athens. And I would say Athens can be done in as little as three days, no more than a week. Okay. So I get there, and we talk about the islands. And I'm sure, hopefully, people know there are tons of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I want to stay in one place or do I want to travel around? You know, I really want to go to my home island, which you know is Mykonos. That's my island. It is your island. That's yes. where I'm from. I I agree with you because you make lamps there. Again, another <laughs> my big fat Greek wedding <laughs> reference. <laughs> okay. Normally, I would tell you that there's more than one way to do this. In Greece's, in my experience in Greece, it is far better to go to Athens either at the beginning or the end of your trip, enjoy Athens for a few days, and then get yourself to whatever other area that you're going. Most popularly, people go to the islands. They want to go to Mykonos and Santorini, maybe Crete and Rhodes. Those are probably the four most popular islands. However, you have the beautiful Peloponnese Peninsula with Nathplio and a couple of other places in it that are interesting. 
and Northern Greece is an incredibly different experience that's not overly populated with tourists and can be an incredible experience all unto itself. So I would start or finish in Athens and then go to whatever other place that you would like to go to within the country. Okay. So now let's talk about accommodations. And this really brings a tear to my eye because I feel that we had the gem of all gems booked for this past summer. We were were at the gates of the Acropolis and (laughs) that Airbnb was gorgeous. So tell me, tell us, give us some suggestions on where to stay. Well, I guess maybe what we need to do is in order to understand where to stay, we need to kind of explain the city a little bit. It is an incredibly sprawling city. So you have to make sure that you understand that there's really only two areas that you probably want to stay in. The first one is known, it's the most famous, it's known as the Placa. This is the old windy road neighborhood in this it, that's underneath the Acropolis. It's it's the old village where all the tourism is. This is where all of it is. However, it's fun there. Like don't discount it because I use the word tourism. Uh-huh. And the other area is close to Syntagma Square, which is where like the diplomats would stay. And they're kind of adjacent to each other. Other than that, I would really caution everybody as to, are you paying for your location and then compensating or adding to what you're paying for because of transportation. If you stay in the placa and play, pay a little bit more, you probably won't need transportation of very many places. Pretty much everything is right around you and it's pretty easy to get to. If you stay over by Syntagma Square in the diplomatic area, again, those hotels are very, very fancy and they are very expensive. You are going to pay um, more money than you would in other cities in Athens for your accommodations. They they are a bit pricier. However, there are certain things you want to make sure that you have, whether you stay at a hotel or an Airbnb. More so when you're really judging an Airbnb, check that air conditioner. If you are going to be there between Easter, <laughs> between Easter and Labor Day, actually Easter and Columbus Day, I would say. Listen, um, Yaya will not be happy if she's hot. It will be miserable. So you want to make sure that you really think about that, which is why the place that you were going to was such a gem. Um, and we're going to talk about that particular area, that particular neighborhood in a little while. But That place was remodeled and it had good air conditioning in it. And air conditioning really matters in Athens. It was a beautiful area. It was beautiful. Okay. Now, you know me in transportation. Mm -hmm. I prefer not to drive anywhere. So how am I going to get around? What are my choices? So there are three choices, and I will always preach this to any travel choir that listens to me. If you stay in a city center, particularly in a large city, you may pay a little bit more for your accommodations, but you will not incur the expense of transportation because you're going to be able to walk everywhere. Everything is kind of at your doorstep. And that is possible in Athens if you are strategic about what you're doing. It is we talked about this before and now boarding. There are so many taxis in this city and they are they are enthusiastic drivers. And they pick up a taxi stands or you have to use the app that we talked about. And you can get around by taxi. That's not difficult for, for the different places that you're going. Um, however, when you put your feet on the ground, probably the quickest way into the city, if you're not going to hire a car to get you into the city, which is that's normally what I do. We call somebody that we know that has a, a car uh, service and 
we use a car to get in. There is a train right at the airport that will take you right into the city center. So you can get into the city center that way. And that same train will also get you to the port if you're looking to pick up a ferry to go to the islands. That is called the metro. And it will get you from place to place. The metro in Athens is incredibly important. As you can imagine, in such an ancient city, Every single time they go to build anything and they dig six inches, they find more antiquity to the point where in the metro stations, they are mini museums. And it's fun to kind of use the metro and go maybe five or six stops and stop, get out and tour the the train station because there are windows with the most incredible priceless antiquities over time that were found right on that very spot. Cool. It's so neat. So the Metro is a very unique experience in Athens for sure. So I would say walking Metro or taxi are your three best bets. I would not rent a car in Athens. Don't do it. No, no, no. Okay. Okay. So what are the icons that people want to hit? I mean, you know me. Tell me places I want to go. Shop. You know what holds my interest. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that there's no other place that we can start in talking about Athens than not – we must start at the Parthenon. It is – you know, it's one of the top three most noticeable, most recognized yes. buildings in the world. That, the Roman Colosseum, and the Eiffel Tower. You know them all, right? And the Parthenon, which is on the Acropolis. So the Acropolis is the whole hilltop complex. Uh-huh. Acropolis means mountain or, or hilltop city. Polis means city, acro means up, right? And um, the Parthenon is one of the buildings on the Acropolis. Okay, so you go definitely take the climb up to the top, go early in the morning so that you're not there when all the cruise lines bust in all of their people. So you can be up and on your way down when those buses get there, those tour buses, yes. which is a Great tip. Please take me up on that one. And you can go up there, see the Parthenon. You'll see the other buildings that are there, including the amphitheater and the beautiful um, statues that are pillars. And I've lost their name in my mind right now. Um, The Kiritids is their name. Um, They are these beautiful carved columns in one of the outbuildings from the Parthenon. And the other thing that's there is the National Greek flag, which is the war, World War II Memorial. But there's an entire story behind it about this man who during World War II brought the Greek flag up there when independence was claimed and they were no longer under Nazi rule. Because yes, Athens was a city underneath Nazi rule during World War II. A lot of people don't realize that it that the Nazis had gone that far south into Greece, but they had. And it's an incredible story about how he waved the flag up there. And that's why the flag is at that spot on the Parthenon, on the Acropolis. So very interesting. So you have to definitely think about the Parthenon and the Acropolis. And along with that comes the Agora, which is the world's first shopping mall. And it's this entire complex that's on the bottom of the hill. And this is the place where um, Socrates philosophized and, you know, all of these people made democracy and created all of these incredible things. The Pythagorean theorem was created in this area. All of those kind of things that you think about when you think about all the contributions that the Greeks made to society, because we all know that you can name any word, any word at all, and we will tell you how it is Greek. Yes. Yes. You know, there's two types of people. Mm-hmm. Those there's that, Greek. And those who wish they were Greek. That's right. (laughs) So along with the Parthenon and Acropolis, the Agora, the last 
piece of that triad, a Greek word, is the Acropolis Museum, which is an incredible complex that tells the history of how the Acropolis went from all of its ancient glory to what you see today. And the most interesting part of it is on the third floor, it's almost empty. And that is because the national government, the Greek government, has created this third floor for the return of the very controversial Elgin Marbles, which Listen, I was on that this summer, okay? Oh, the Elgin marbles are important because they are the friezes from the Parthenon that were taken away by Lord Elgin with permission from the Ottoman Empire, not the Greeks, the Turks, which is a whole thing. And it's an incredible controversy. So going up there and learning this story of what's up in London that the Greeks feel belongs to them is very interesting to learn about. So definitely that that is the major icon in Athens. It will take you a full day to do all of that. You do all of that in a day. Now, if you are truly interested in, in Greek antiquity and it's something that really kind of interests you at a level where you'd like to dig a little bit deeper, I highly recommend the National Archaeological Museum. And here's what's interesting about that. Not only is it some of the most famous ancient art that you've seen in every textbook you've ever read about the Greeks, a ton of the designs that are in that museum are used by some of the traditional jewelers in a neighborhood called the Plaka. So you can go see these jewelers recreate these ancient patterns and ancient pieces of jewelry that you can then buy. But there, it's a very specific group of jewelers. Not every jeweler in the Plaka neighborhood is going to be able to do that. And when we say Plaka, we're talking about kind of the old town. So kind of the, the central old town that most people like to go and visit. It's very charming. It's a lot of fun to be in that area. There's plenty of great food, plenty of things to do. Love and then the food. last, uh, especially in Athens, um, the last place that I would recommend that's kind of iconic is Syntagma Square. Syntagma is the Greek word for constitution. This is where the national changing of the guard is. I will tell you that it is very quick during the week. It's not very fast. I believe it happens at, I'm guessing off the top of my head, but I believe it's 1130. Check your guidebook on that, but I'm pretty sure on weekdays it's 1130. On the weekend, on Sunday, is the big changing of the guard. And people get there early to get their seat because the big band comes out from around the corner and there's this huge ceremony. You can watch the whole thing. It's really neat to see and totally worth it. It's a very different kind of changing of the guard. And the guard that we're talking about are the Greek guys that wear the pleated skirts. And the pom-poms on their shoes. And the pom-poms on their shoes. And they are called Evzones. Evzones is the name of those particular dressed soldiers. They kind of, um, they represent and their uniform and everything about them has a meaning. How many pleats there are, how many nails there are, how the pom-poms are made. Everything means something on their uniform. Very similar to the Swiss Guard at the Vatican. Like everything means something, right? So definitely worth thinking about in terms of that. So those are the huge icons, which is a mouthful. However, I will tell you the National Archaeological Museum, Syntagma Square, you can do mm, in an afternoon. Okay. Yeah. And I can live in the placa. You're going to live in the placa the whole time. That's our recommendation. Now, what about hidden gems? Mm-hmm. You know, those things that people don't advertise, it's not the first thing, but it's a must. So everything about Athens points to one thing, and that's the Acropolis. The city of Athens and the country have just spent so much money relighting the 
Parthenon and the Acropolis. And it is beautiful. What you want to do is you want to get to the places where that's your view. Because like I said before, the rest of the city is not very much to look at. It's not, it's not the most gorgeous place in the world. So you want to get to the places that that happens. And there are a couple of places that are great hidden things that you should know about. First one is there are a ton of rooftop restaurants and they all have a good view of the Acropolis. So I would definitely look for those rooftop restaurants, whether they're on top of hotels, they're on top of office buildings, look up to find those places. Those are the places that you should ask about. We were at one that was right up just past the Plaka steps, and we were on, they had two tiers. They had like a lower rooftop and an upper one. We were put on the upper one, and our view of the Parthenon that night was it was a fairy tale and the food was incredible. It was just, it was a magical night to be able to do that. So I definitely recommend getting up into those rooftop restaurants. They're totally worth it. Walk up to get those views. Um, And speaking of up, let's talk about the neighborhood where your Airbnb was going to be. And that is the neighborhood above the Plaka. There's a famous staircase called the Plaka Stairs. You're going to walk all the way up them into this very quiet uh, enclave right underneath the walls of the Acropolis. And it's called Anafiotica. And I know I just completely butchered I, I never get the right syllabication on those words, but Anafiotica is the name of the little tiny neighborhood that's above the placa, and it's quiet, and there are cats roaming around, and there are beautiful flowers, and there are a couple of Airbnbs up there, not very many. It's an incredible place to stay. The last hidden gem that I would recommend is the Central Market. And this has kind of been forgotten about over the years. It used to be a far more prevalent um, place to go, but they still have all of the traditional stuff there like you would think of. There is the whole lamb there, just like out of the movie, you know, when Taki comes to the back door with the big lamb for to roast on the spit. It's yes. there. My big fat Greek wedding people, they're hanging right there in the central market. All the spices and olives and all of those incredible delicacies that you think of. My suggestion to you is to use the audio tour for the central market. Um, from Rick Steves. He does a great job bringing you down some incredible streets. He His tour goes from the Plaka, which is great it, in that area, and it brings you out to the central market and then back to the cathedral in the Plaka. So it's a great walk, and it brings you past some incredible street art and some really charming streets, lets you see the market, get the best of the market, and then kind of brings you right back into the neighborhood where you're probably going to be staying. Oh, cool. Okay. What do I need to pass on? Okay. These are, this is probably the hardest question that we talk about in these destination episodes because I don't like passing on anything. I like seeing it all. But I will say this. I do have a word of warning. When you're in Greece, there is something that I like to call marble fatigue. After you've seen a couple of Greek runes, you're kind of like, there's another column that's, you know, knocked over. There's another piece of marble. You kind of get marble fatigue looking at all these Greek runes. And you wind up not appreciating it at all. So I would really think about the places that you choose to see and not give yourself marble fatigue because if you do, you're going to wind up saying to the person that you're traveling with, I can't look at another rock. It's just going to become a rock. It's not going to be the special thing that it is. And I would so so tell you that. Yeah. Yes. I would. So I've said that. So I completely understand, you know, and you don't, it's a mistake that you can make and 
if, if it's just going to be a rock to you, it's not worth it. So be very, very strategic about all the Greek runes that you see. Because let me tell you something. There are shops you're going to walk into. They're going to have glass floors. You look down, there's Greek runes. You're going to go to museums. There's Greek runes. You're going to go up the Acropolis, Greek runes. You're going to go to the Agora, Greek runes. If you go over to the stadium from the Olympics, from the first Olympics, yeah, it's Made out of marble, it looks like Greek runes. You know, like you're going to get to the point where you're not enjoying it at all. And that's not the point. Be strategic, choose a few places and make them worthwhile. So if I want to take a break from marble viewing, where can I take some day trips? What kind of day trips would you recommend to these fellow Greek travelers? There are two that I highly recommend. One is a day trip and one is an overnighter. I would totally recommend, if especially if you're not going to be able to get out to the Greek islands, the closest Greek island to you is called Hydra. It's spelt Hydra in American. It's called Hydra. There are no cars on it. The food is great. And you get a little bit of that Greek island experience. So if you're not going to be able to get down to those iconic Cyclades islands or out to Santorini or to Crete or to Rhodes, you know, like get all the way down there, you're not going to have that moment. Go ahead and do Hydra for one day. It's totally worth it. The other trip that I would recommend is quite mystical. There is a town. I like that. Yes. There is a town called Meteora. Meteora. And in Meteora, it's not so much about the town as it is about the incredible Greek Orthodox monasteries that are there. And they are on these cliff sides. It's like nothing you've ever seen. And the mist is there. And it's it's just a very different view of Greece. And there you can go to some of these monasteries. Some of them are only for men. And you're, you're going to have to be strategic about going up to Meteora. So keep that in mind as you make your plans for that. But you can get up there by train stay a day, stay overnight, and then come back. It's not going to be a huge um, nighttime experience because the town is very small and there's not very many places to stay. So you really need to do your planning for this. But your experience at one of the monasteries may be the memory you take home that you love the most. So Meteora, very, very, very interesting. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So now... I don't think I could ever say that I've had, I would have my fill of Athens and Greece, but when I'm done with Athens, where can I go? Where do you suggest? Okay. So I think the most obvious answer to that, we've said this a couple of times, is to hop down and get south to the Greek islands. You'll leave out of the port of Piraeus and you'll take a ferry um, out to one of the islands. I do want to say this, there are other options besides getting on one of the commercial ferries. And one of them is to rent a catamaran with some friends and kind of island hop around some of the islands, which is an incredible experience. We'll link you to some information about that. And we'll also link you to choosing the best Greek island for you. We have a quiz. You choose a couple of pictures and it will generate the best island for you because there are a lot of them. (laughs) And it's kind of hard to expect to get to all of them, even when you just start naming the ones that are popular off the top of your head. There's too many to get to in one trip. It'll just never happen. So choose a very famous one, a touristy one, choose a quiet one, and choose one that has something to do with what you love. Um, Go to the ones that are wooded and have lots of trees on them if you love a hike. Um, If you love to swim, there are islands for that. If you love runes and you love that history, there are islands for that. Make sure you're choosing what you love. Um, One of the islands that I highly recommend um, has a town on it called Ermopolis. And this incredible city is literally 
paved in marble. It's modern, but the streets are literally marble. It's an incredible place to see. It's an old Venetian stronghold, and it is like nothing I've ever seen. I love the little harbor fronts and all of that kind of stuff with the Greek islands, so you'll totally enjoy that. Another Greek place to go to is a town called Nafplio, which is over in the Peloponnese Peninsula. And that actually is quite charming compared to Athens' urban sprawl. So if if you're looking for a city that maybe has a little bit more charm but the same amount of history, Nafplio might be for you. Um, And it's a great jumping off spot for Olympia and quite a few other places in the Peloponnese Peninsula. But if you're looking to kind of really expand your horizons, don't forget that the Western islands in Greece and Piraeus, which is the main port for Athens, all have ferries to Southern Italy. What? Yeah, they have overnight beautiful ferries, huge commercial ferries. You can book yourself a cabin and you can spend overnight on the ferry and wind up in Italy the next day and continue on your way. So that's an incredible way to kind of link things together without having to deal with the airport. That sounds like fun. I can just continue, continue eating, eating my way through Italy. I'm just so excited. Okay. Souvenirs. I'm going to tell you my most favorite souvenir that you brought me from Athens is not your typical, I think, what you think of when you think of Greece. True. My fat Freddie Mercury doll. Oh my gosh. Okay. Hashtag gone too soon, but go ahead. Okay. This is true. For some context, I used to live in Japan, and the most popular kind of tchotchke thing that you can pick up at any gift shop is something called a kokeshi doll. It's a wooden doll. If you Google them, give it a Goog right now, and you will see it is – you will know it the second you see it. I was in a store, a little shop in the Plaka, and in the corner, shining like a ray of sunshine – was our person, our spirit rocker, Freddie Freddie Mercury, Mercury. as a Kokeshi doll in all of his yellow jacket, white jeans glory. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? This is impossible. Yes, I will take how many do you have? He said two. I said they're mine. Me and my person, we're getting them. Yep. So that is, I agree with you. For me, that's the best souvenir that I ever got in Athens. (laughs) What are your typical souvenirs that most people want to bring back? I think the thing that most people will see are kind of the junky t-shirts and that kind of stuff, you're going to have to do yourself a favor. And when you're in the placa, you've got to look past the first layer of junk. You've got to get into the shops that look older, Uh that have more craftsmen and artisans contributing to them. Um, The modern shops can get a little junky. Some of them are cute. I saw one based on Greek mythology. It was adorable. Others are just full of junk. Uh, I mean, just full of so much junk. You've got to be careful. So choose carefully when you're in the placa, Uh, much like the jewelers we mentioned before. If you're going to invest in a piece of jewelry, do it at a very good shop. And I have two to recommend to you. One of them is called um, Eastern Orient and the Jeweler's name there is Tom Gritsalis. I totally recommend him. And Demos Jewelry is the other one. They're both in the placa. You'll see them around. They they each have two stores apiece. And uh, the jeweler at Demos Jewelry is Stavros Demos. And I recommend them. I recommend another shop called Helen, which is in the placa, for great mid-price 
little jewelry. She works with a lot of local artisans to have really sweet stuff. These are people I've known for years and I really appreciate them. They're they're fabulous. Um, so I would just be careful. The one motif that you will see throughout the placa, no matter where you are, whether it's a junkie store or a high-end store, you're going to see an evil eye. It's blue, white, and then I like another blue, and you're going to be like, why would I wear an evil eye? The evil eyes that you see are to ward off evil. They are very much inside every Greek person's home. There's tons of jewelry with it on. It's something great to bring home, and they're everywhere. They're on pillows. They're on t-shirts. They're in jewelry. They're on mugs. They're on curtains. They're on tablecloths. It doesn't matter. You can find them. They're so creative with this particular motif. You'll find it everywhere. Everything is a bright blue and white, and they are a lot of fun. So grab those evil eyes to ward off evil for everybody you know. It's a great souvenir to bring home. You know, there's one hanging in my house. There are about 20 hanging in my house. <laughs> there is no evil around here. <laughs> you know, I need some more. So, okay, we've got time. Give it to us. One last tip. When here we, we head go. Into- I'm ready. Please, please, fellow travelers, if you see a restaurant where they are throwing dishes like in Zorba the Greek, Please pass it up. That is a tourist trap. Nobody crashes dishes around like that anymore. It doesn't happen. As a matter of fact, if you go and you pick up a shard of the dishes that they've broken so far, you will find that they're not even real dishes. They're just plaster of Paris to look like dishes so that it looks like it's fun to do. There are a couple of places in the placa that still do it. And I have to say, I went and I tried them out before I gave this tip out. I did not think that they were fabulous. I think the food is better at many other places. So it's great food. It's not the best food. There's not a meal in Athens that's bad. I will say that. But there are some that are great and there are some that are even better. We hope that you have enjoyed today's episode. We drop two episodes every month for year-round travel fun. You can find more tips, hacks, destination guides, and inspiration at bobsheandyaya.com. That's also where you'll find information about our upcoming workshops and our upcoming small group travel experiences. That's right. We'd love for you to join us during our travel season as we take in glorious destinations like Edinburgh, Paris, Warsaw, and Amsterdam. It's going to be so much fun. Don't hesitate to leave us a little comment or a review, especially over there on iTunes where the numbers do all the talking. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on all the social media, including TikTok and Facebook, by searching at Bapshi and Yaya. That's B-A-B-C-I-A and Y-I-A, Y-I-A. We look forward to sharing our next episode with you. No matter when you plan to hit the road, which I hope is soon, guys, we've got some helpful tents, tents, tips, and great stories to share. Yes, Yaya made a funny. Yaya made a funny. Okay. Okay, I think you're gonna have to start that paragraph again because we can't have tits on our show, here. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm ready. I'm starting again. No matter. Okay, I'm ready. Okay.